walking is when your best ideas come to life. The Wisdom Walks podcast and community is an inspired network of over 35,000 dedicated to exploring creative solutions to life's biggest challenges and opportunities. Enjoy listening to our podcast interviews coupled with wisdom from experts and leaders from all walks of life. In-person Wisdom Walks will be scheduled throughout the year. Receive actionable tips to become the leader you were meant to be. Enjoy ideas to be healthier, happier, and more successful. Learn from supportive guests that share wise and highly personal stories of transformation. We'll provide you with prompts and suggested songs to couple with your walks. I'm your host, Lee Mitchell, a community builder and brand strategist. Follow and listen to the Wisdom Walks podcast on your favorite social media platforms with hashtag Wisdom Walks Podcast. When you hear the Wisdom to Walk music, it's now time to speed up. Jessica has brought the house down with her unique brand of comedy opening for giants such as Ellen DeGeneres, Russell Peters, Jerry Seinfeld, and Oprah Winfrey. Combining stand-up, music, and improvisation, she honed her skills at Just for Laughs and the world-famous Second City before moving on to television. Her Carol Burnett-style series, The Home Show, and her knack for skewering celebrities like Nicki Minaj, Britney Spears, and Celine Dion has made her a favorite with audiences across the country. Also a wellness advocate, Jessica is known for speaking candidly about her experience with depression. She mixes comedy with a validating message about life's challenges and has become a celebrated voice in fighting the stigma around mental health issues in her keynotes. In 2018, she became an ambassador for Bell Let's Talk campaign and wrote the hilarious and touching memoir, Depression, the Comedy. A mother of two and a wife of one, Jessica's passion is finding humor in life's imperfections and turning embarrassments into punchlines. Hi, Jessica. It's so great to have you on our podcast today. Thank you so much for making the time to uh, talk about a subject that is both near and dear to my heart and I know to to yours, uh, depression and and what that means uh, in the world of uh, being a parent, a business owner, Mm -hmm. a professional, and just a member at uh, your community at large. So thank you for for coming on and let's dive in and talk about um, your book, uh, Depression the Comedy, and really how you came to uh, to this journey to write the book. And uh, I know now you're speaking about this um, in a public platform quite quite often now, which is incredible. So so tell me more about that. Sure. Um, first of all, I love it. You and I had been connecting online for a while about like depression in this entrepreneurial journey. And so I find, um, I would say, first of all, that I think anyone who is self-employed, whether it's an entrepreneur or performer, speaker, um, or artist, there's this unique set of struggles in having to be a self-starter in knowing that when the, when the business is struggling, you're also struggling because the buck stops with you. Um, so anyhow, part of why I wrote the book depression, the comedy was to address that specific 
part of it. I have three chapters where I talk about how my career sort of added to my susceptibility to being depressed. And so I'm really happy to be talking to you and to share about that. Um, So I went through postpartum depression when my second child was born. And that one was sort of easy to diagnose because, well, you know, you know, to look out for it. (laughs) When you've had a baby, they tell you look out for feelings of loneliness or hopelessness or high anxiety. And anyhow, I, I got treatment for it. And within a few months, I was feeling okay. And I figured I'm never having more kids. So I won't be depressed again. Whoop, whoop. But then about four years later, um, I just found myself having a different feeling. This one wasn't based in anxiety. It was sort of just a lack of caring about anything. It was not caring about my friends or my Um, like I didn't want to be social anymore. I didn't want to work anymore. The things that had usually filled me up just made me feel tired. I just felt tired thinking about everything. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's so weird for me to say this. Um, It's not that I'm embarrassed. It's that other people might be embarrassed for me. Um, It took me about two years to realize what it was. Uh, I kept thinking this is just part of being an artist, I guess, or mm-hmm. um, this is me reacting to my job, or this is this is because our marriage isn't doing the hottest right now. Um, maybe I just have low iron, <laughs> but I just felt like concrete had been poured on me. I felt like I couldn't do anything. And finally, when my husband said, like, look, this isn't working, we need to go see a marriage counselor. It was the marriage counselor who was like, "Uh, has no one told you you're depressed? (laughs) Because it's really clear. And so uh, I was relieved to get the diagnosis and to be like, oh, you mean I don't have to spend the rest of my life feeling like everything is torture? Um, Mm -hmm. So I was happy to have the diagnosis in, in that way. And then it still took me a good six months of trying different things and hard work to come out of it. But um I'm grateful to be on the other side and just decided while I have this platform and I get to get on stage and tell jokes, I thought I'm going to throw a little wellness in there, a little message about mm-hmm. mental health. And, and so, yeah, that's what led me to write the book and to this point. Mm. Yeah. And, it, and it's interesting when you talk about comedy, uh, you know, people that are depressed oftentimes are looking for ways to, to figure out how they could get past that, that cloud. And so they, you know, they're grasping at everything. And, and so I just wonder, like, do, do you think that some comedians get into that because they themselves just want to know any sort of feelings of depression that they themselves might be experiencing? Like, I know you talked about interviewing some comedians for your book. So did you come into some interesting observations or some research that, you know, leads understand why people go into comedy because you mentioned in your book that a lot of people that are in comedy have real highs and lows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely don't want to, I, my only regret with the book is (laughs) I, I think I've given people the impression that like comedians are all secretly very sad on the inside and that's not the case at all. Like you have to be pretty happy and fun to come up with the jokes, but definitely comedians are introspective people. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you're, when you're introspective, plus you have a lot of highs and lows in your job, that's just how it's built that you'll be like headlining one week and you'll be so busy doing talk shows and doing this and that. And then suddenly your phone doesn't ring for a month. So that kind of like being jerked back and forth between two different 
ego cycles, I'll call it, um, can, can be a lot to adjust to. And your thoughts can either go to a positive place or a negative place, depending on how resilient you are. And me, I just wasn't ever a super resilient person. Like even as a kid, I got my feelings hurt, um, fairly easily. And so part of my recovery from depression, because I just said to the therapist right away, I was like, I do not belong in a career where it's stop and go. I don't belong in a career where everything is on my shoulders. I belong in a nice nine to five office job where uh, things are predictable and things. And she was like, whoa, whoa, wait, (laughs) before you change jobs, could we talk about if there's a way that we could just make this career work for you more where your life is so stable that career highs and lows roll off your back. And I was like, well, that sounds pretty out there, but okay. And uh, it's, I just feel like my life now is a testament to the fact that that can work, that you can make some small changes to your life. Um, On paper, my life would look very much the same, but I just have different goals now. And there's different things that I do with my day each and every day that kind of help me feel like, okay, I've reached certain milestones. And that way, whether my career is having you know, a red hot day or a freezing cold day. Um, My sense of accomplishment stays relatively the same. My sense of engagement stays relatively the same. And so I'll just share with you a couple of things I do. Um, I got a dog. And so I jog that dog every single morning. Um, Mm -hmm. And I uh, write for two hours. That means no matter what the day looks like, and you know, as an entrepreneur or whether someone's like a stay at home parent or something, everyone knows your time just goes like before you know it it's 3 15 and the kids are home and your day is gone so for me to get two hours at the computer every day is a big deal and Mm -hmm. i make sure that i do that um i spend less time on social media i really have that's my like work in progress (laughs) because i would really like to do better on that and be at a place where i'm checking it twice a day instead of Mm -hmm. 10 times but at least i'm not checking it 40 times a day like i used to um and again, when you're self-employed, that's a very easy habit to fall into, but it's, it's proven to just be very bad for your mental health to just constantly be looking at what people are doing. And it's almost the emotional equivalent of eating chips. Like you're not going to get any nutrients from it. You're not going to get any goodness from it, but you'll just keep eating the bag as long as it's there. It's open. It's in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and also uh, I decided to, and this is something that's also good for entrepreneurs or people who have their own businesses to know for me just getting more involved with community was a really big deal and I posted about that on Instagram today how um I up until four years ago I always sort of looked at my comedy peers as these intimidating people I competed with for jobs or competed with for laughs and as an introvert especially I just didn't feel particularly drawn to want to be friends with anyone in that group I found it intimidating And then when I recovered from depression, my therapist was like, you just have to, you just have to be able to lean on people and to know that your struggles are common. So at this one event four years ago in the dressing room, I just was like, Hey, do you guys ever feel lonely when you go on the road for a week at a time? And they were all like, yes, we totally do. And I was like, and then when you have a tough crowd, does that like stay with you for a few days? And they're like, yeah. So anyway, we just went through, the parts of being a comedian that are challenging and uh, 
And two of those guys actually said, um, text me day or night, anytime, because we're all in this together. And so that became a community. And then I joined a speakers group and that became a community. So even if I don't see people that often, even if I don't have coworkers, um, I do feel like I have a supportive community that totally understands the struggles that I go through. And uh, that's given me a lot of strength. So like I said, my, my job looks the same. My life looks about the same, but I just have these support systems in place. And I joined team sports too. Um, and again, yeah. just because I'm not so much a, a self-starter with exercise or with social things. And so if I know, Hey, people are, the team is counting on me and I have to show up, then I'll go. Yeah. So accountability really helps mm-hmm. to, to fuel your goals for yeah. feeling healthy and getting out there and avoiding isolation. Cause mm-hmm. I know too, like, you know, you and I sort of gone back and forth a little bit about, you know, my journey as well too with depression. And it's something that will be with me as a lifelong challenge, but I'm trying to not let it define me. And I'm trying to make sure that I, avoid isolating myself and that sort of thing. And I go and, you know, I find that sometimes I'm super isolated and then I just have to, I I have to just force myself. So now what I'm doing is I'm co-working. I'm trying to co-work with a few people once a week, you know, just to keep. Yeah. So, so tell me, um, when it comes to being vulnerable, like that must've been, super challenging and and scary to to put yourself out there but like you said your therapist really encouraged you to mm-hmm. to open up um and actually Bobby Umar who's a, a someone who we both know um I, when I was preparing for this interview I asked for people in the community to give me some great questions to ask and so well, he said, you know, yeah so he was one of them that responded and had said to me ask what, you know, what advice Jessica would have for vulnerability in terms of, you know, sharing yourself, because I think sometimes we associate our business as us, right? Like, and for you, performers, so it's all about you. So that can, can really mess with your head. So how do you still keep your credibility and also be vulnerable at the same time? I absolutely understand that one. And for me, because I get hired to go out and be a mental health speaker uh, mm-hmm. on the days when my mental health is feeling like, you know, I really could use just like a day on the sofa with my mom. Um, on those days, um, I know that I, I feel very aware of the fact that some people might believe people with mental health struggles perhaps have a bit of a flake factor. Like maybe they're people who cancel a lot or who are very delicate and can't handle things. So I just try and suck it up. And um, I do feel like I have to prove to the world. Yes, I have mental health issues and yes, I'm a responsible person and I still take care of my business and I, I get those things done. So I'm aware that we have to work twice as hard to sort of represent ourselves well, because if you, get a reputation as someone who can't really handle uh, certain work. You're going to be penalized for that mm. for a long time by people maybe not wanting to work with you. Um, so I, I think the more we reduce the stigma of mental health in society, I think the more people will just realize one in five of us have mental health issues you are working with people with mental health issues and you don't even know it. So 
Um, I think people will chill out about it. And I think the atmosphere out there is a safer place today than it was 10 years ago for mm-hmm. people to be able to say, um, I struggle. Um, shoot. I, I mean, do you have advice? Like what, I don't even know. What would you say about that, about showing vulnerability and still saying to people, you can trust me as my brand, but by the way, I struggle as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good uh, thing to sort of think tank around. And I would say, I would say that I try not to share when I'm going through something. I will often do it after the fact um, so that I'm not completely raw. And the reason why is I've, because you've spoken at one of my conferences Mm -hmm. and it was an incredible experience. And the following year I did a conference and it went just as well, but I was terribly depressed and Mm -hmm. actually might even been at that conference that you're at. I can't even remember now. It's a fog, Mm -hmm. the conference I did in Vancouver, but basically what happened was I was celebrating the anniversary of myself and my birth sister meeting each other and she worked for me. And so I decided to share that story, but I didn't realize that I was going through a depression at that moment. And I just bawled my eyes out on stage and I was incredibly embarrassed. So I really check in to see how raw something is before mm-hmm. I share it so that I don't totally lose it. Um, and I've been, Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great way to express it. You're right. Mm -hmm. There are times where if we're raw, if we're having one of those rough days, it's okay to stay offline. (laughs) It's okay Mm -hmm. to... um, So for me, for example, um, because it's important for me to have credibility, I I don't share when I'm in the moment either. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't express to people who have just hired me like, oh, I'm really struggling today (laughs) because I don't want to make them nervous for their show. But what I'll do is I'll just, um, I'll give the presentation, but I choose to not maybe tell certain anecdotes that I know could be a bit triggering for me. Um, And I also just remind myself, it's okay to stay offline today. The world will, like your business won't collapse if you uh, don't post something on social media today. That's okay. And um, so, yeah, I guess that part of it would be the work in progress would I, and the other, the flip side of that is mm-hmm. a big part of my business is sharing my most authentic self and sharing anecdotes about myself. And, um, and those things are deeply personal to me and those things mm-hmm. can be triggering. So for example, I just finished Bell Let's Talk Day. And I went to Halifax and they said, well, this is great because we have you here for like 16 hours. So how much can we pack into 16 hours? And I said, uh, you know what? It's not a matter of how much can we pack time-wise into 16 hours. It's a matter of how much emotionally can I give of myself in 16 hours. And so we decided to only have me do uh, two presentations and I think six media hits, even though we could have fit 10 and 10. I just said, uh, emotionally, this would be within my safety zone. And they were so great and so understanding. And uh, so my, you know, I had a lot of breaks in the day, but I didn't beat myself up over the fact that I wasn't making the most of this time. I just felt like I need to walk the talk and, uh, and make sure if I'm telling people, put your mental health first, then I needed to put mine first too. So um, definitely I believe in knowing your boundaries and uh, 
what I actually, I reached out to someone yesterday on. When you hear the Wisdom to Walk music, it's now time to speed up. Facebook and shared with them they were someone who it looked to me like they were just taking on a lot more than they could could chew and so privately I messaged them and just said like what I've learned in my 20 years of business and particularly in the 13 years since I started having a family is that your business doesn't suffer when you take some time for yourself my business keeps on chugging and I work really hard when I feel super uh, resilient and strong and then on the days or weeks where I'm just feeling like, I'm not going to poke the bear right now. Those days I only do exactly what I'm hired to do. And I let the rest fall by the wayside. I'm not proactive on those days or those weeks. And uh, I just haven't suffered for it. The, the work doesn't go away. People are patient. And um, so I think especially that's something I want to share with any self-employed people out there is uh, to make sure that you do put yourself first and take those breaks and count on the fact that the good work you do on your strong days is enough to carry you through the days where you're like, Oh, today calls for a matinee and, and a lot of hot chocolate. Cause uh, I just need a rest and it's okay to have a rest. Yeah, I agree. Like when I do anything where I'm on stage, I, or, or I'm doing workshops or anything like that, where I have to be on, um, it fuels me up so much, but it exhausts me in a way that, uh, you know, work that you do at home in your office, like writing or that sort of thing. It's just completely different for me. And I need to refuel myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I don't do that, I find that I end up burning out uh, yeah. and I'm not the best version of myself. So, you know, I think a big part of this is, especially as an entrepreneur, is that mistakes happen um you know like for example you know i know you've talked about it in your book like occasionally things that you've said haven't gone over the way you thought they would uh, on stage and you know how do you recover from that like the yeah. old me i would say even the old me a year ago would beat myself up like in a to a point where it's sadistic almost right whereas now i'm really trying to not over you know overbeat myself up i guess for lack of a better Mm -hmm. word and yeah so i'm just curious how you feel about that absolutely no one likes to have a bad show or a bad like to put a bad product out there when it reflects so much on how you feel you are as a business person and uh, and that's where I feel like community comes into play. And uh, so, for example, I, I have a, a speakers group I belong to, and it's just online. But a lot of us have met each other through different shows or been at the same places. But, um, but I know that when I have a bad show um, or even just a pet peeve, like the fact that people are given my intro weeks in advance, but they still mm-hmm. introduce me as Jennifer Holmes or... Jessica Hames or I'm from Air Force, Air Farce, Fair Force. Like it's just the, whatever it is, it's so like mangled. And it always is like, guys, I'm trying to start the show on a confident note and you're butchering it kind of thing. Like, so for anything like that, whether it's big or small, I just hop online with the group and say, can I hear from anyone else who goes through this? Because I just tell me I'm not the only person who had a quiet audience this week, or tell me I'm not the only person who 
um, just bombed on this proposal that got rejected or something. And it's so great because you, you see everyone else does um, have those. And I even did a conference um, a couple of weeks ago where all of, there were seven of us speakers and they sent me the, the audience feedback. And I was like, Oh, this is yikes. This is going to be like an exercise in sort of self-doubt. Um, and I got five out of five by everyone except for uh, one or two people in each of my categories gave me like a two out of five. And of course the two out of five was what I paid attention to. But then I looked at the other seven speakers. They sent all of us each other's um, scores. I don't know whether they meant to or not, but I looked at all the other speakers and they had the same thing. They had, most people gave them high scores and a couple of people just randomly gave them low scores. So it's never personal. We're never alone in our bombs or our fails or any of those things, but it really feels like we are until we reach out and say, am I alone? (laughs) Am I unique in this one failure? And uh, it's really great. I I feel my easiest way out is uh, to, to be validated by other people and just reminded like, Oh my gosh, you can do your best and it still happens. And then, because the only other alternative is you just wait and let that feeling go away little bit by bit. But sometimes that takes a couple of weeks and, and that can be pretty excruciating. Yeah. I, I can appreciate your honesty around that. Um, so one of the reasons why I wanted to interview so badly and, and I was so thrilled when you said yes, <laughs> was uh, the video that you made in the box. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so my, my son's watched it over and over again. He oh, just neat. Loved it. Yeah. So when I mentioned today that I was interviewing you, he totally remembered. He's like, she's the girl with the book and the banana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eating the banana. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but what really resonated with me on that video and, and I just kudos to you for, for saying it is what is not helpful to people when they are going through a depression, the things that people say, whether it be an employer, a coworker, your spouse, you know, those things. And you, and you talk about that, right? So what advice do you have for people that are trying to support someone? Uh, Let's, let's start professionally because I think that we're, you know, I really want to advocate for work environments where people can show up as themselves at work. And if they have a bad day, they're not penalized for it. Mm-hmm. And that there is some understanding when, when people are going through challenging times, stress, you know, whether it leads to depression or not, but stress mm-hmm. untreated can lead to depression or when someone is grieving, right? That's a huge yeah. thing when yeah. you lose a parent or something and, you know, you're expected back to work after, you know, a few days. So what advice would you give in the workplace and what advice would you give for say a loved one? Yeah. Um, it would be the same advice for for either in a way, because the main thing I tell people is you can't fix someone else's depression. It shouldn't be on your shoulders that you're expected to fix someone's depression. And I think in the workplace, we worry, oh no, if someone comes and tells me about their problem, am I on the hook for their problem? Am I supposed to then see them through to the end of it? And the answer is no, you're, what you need to do is just believe them and make them feel supported 
but you, there's nothing you can do in your workplace that would fix someone else's depression other than to say, um, I'm really sorry you're going through that. And do you have professional help? And how can we accommodate your schedule here so that you can go and seek that professional help and uh, have your time to heal? Um, so just asking, how can we support you? Mm -hmm. uh, to get the help that you need is mm -hmm. a great thing to do and to help lower the stigma uh, as well. And then it's the same thing when your loved one or family member is going through depression, you can't fix them. What you can do is love them and create a safe space for them to do the healing that they need to do and the work that they need to do. And that is really, really hard because, you know, if I was talking to a family member who was struggling, I would want to fix them. I understand why people give advice. They want to fix you. They just want for you to be better. But when you feel like you're, you have an elephant sitting on your chest, like that's how hard it felt for me to get off the sofa some days. I was, and I was there crying and self-doubt and just feeling terrible about myself. And someone would say, well, you know, just, can you just go get out in nature? And I was like, you, I can't, I can't even get, to the kitchen. So I definitely can't get out in nature. But then also even being in nature is just one small part of things like you have to want to get get better, you have to be at a place where you have the energy and the drive to, to make those first steps and no one else can give that to you except for you and doing your work with a therapist. So um, I just tell people love that person and and make a safe space for them and give them a pat on the back for what they are able to do like if someone mm -hmm. who's depressed says to you yeah I, I went out for um I walked up to Tim Hortons yesterday you should be like that's great that's really great I know you said that it was really hard for you to get anything done so that's really cool that you did that thing and you know to celebrate those tiny things with them and again, to ask the question, how can I support you? Because I don't think a ton of people ask me that. Uh, my mom asked me that. And it was, I said, oh my gosh, will you just sit and watch terrible TV shows with me and don't talk? And so she did. And that was the best feeling in the world. Because then I felt like, okay, now I'm safe because I have support. And I have someone who believes me and who's here with me. And now I can maybe try some little thing to some little baby step of how I can move out of this. Well, that's excellent advice. Is there any parting words that you want to share with everyone? <laughs> oh, gosh, just um, that we're all in this together. And uh, it's, it's really tough to be in this or to love someone who's going through this. And you just keep going. And, and for me, I can't even believe that five or six years ago, I was a person stuck on the sofa. I couldn't imagine that I, there was ever a future where I would be like, up and happy and writing and working and um but it just it happened and you never know when it's going to happen so keep going keep loving doing self-care be so good to yourself or be so good to the person who's going through this with healthy boundaries and you never know when the day will come that they do come out of it or that you do come out of it but it does happen mm -hmm. uh and what's next for you what what do you have coming up that we can all um, I love right now the work-life balance that I have by being a speaker who goes out and does these tours across Canada where I talk about mental health and I do my comedy shows and then I can come home and be with my kids a lot. So I'm not taking on a ton of work right now. I don't feel super ambitious right now because I, I like where I'm at and my kids are growing so quickly. 
Um, so I continue to, when people come to me with offers, I go, Oh, that's neat. That's cool. If my schedule allows it, I'll do it. But, um, I'm kind of just enjoying a little, <laughs> a little non-ambitious couple of years. And that feels really good. And, and I kind of laugh that you're saying that because every time I see you, um, online, you're somewhere doing, you were in Florida, you were, uh, the, yeah, on TV. So you've been busy. So, you know, you're busy and, and a regular person's non, you know, performer busy is <laughs> probably pretty different. So <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, my goal this year, last year, I probably worked or was out of town maybe three days a week. And for me, that felt like too much. So my oh. goal this week has been to scale back a little and to arrange to just be out of town on average one or two nights a week. And that's been feeling good. So I'm still, I love doing my shows and I'm happy to do them, but I also appreciate that these are precious years. And mm. um, so to just kind of enjoy the fruits of my labor leading up to this. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with me. Um, I think that the wisdom that you continue to share both um, through this interview and through your social media your videos. Uh, it's just, it's incredible. I know it makes a big difference to me. I sort of feel like I know you. Uh, I, I kind of giggle when I see like, you know, you share a picture of your, your parents or something because of uh, reading your books and whatnot. So uh, it's, it's been, I feel like it's a deeper relationship uh, in terms of really valuing how far you've come uh, through mm-hmm. the stories that you've shared. So thank you so much. Oh, and thank you for having me. I'm a fan of yours and I love the work that you've been doing for women in business and uh, community building and stuff. So thank you so much. Thanks everybody.